Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. You love the time you spend at your cottage. Buying it was one of the best decisions you ever made. But what's going to happen to it once you are gone? Who should get it? Should you sell it? Chris Durow has some thoughts on that. I'm Patrice Sakura. Now, Chris, we've been talking, and you're telling me that a lot of these cottages have seen their value grow quite a bit in the past few years, correct? Yeah, some of these cottages, as we were just chatting about, it's it's been pretty crazy in Ontario in regards to cottage values. Uh, of course, any client conversation I'm having right now, it's about COVID and real estate prices because they're the two main things. So cottages, they have definitely, definitely gone up significantly. They've gone up in some areas, like the Muskoka's out here and around there. They've doubled in the last 24 to 36 months, some of these cottages areas. It's been That's absolutely... Amazing. Yeah, significant. And a lot of areas, it's starting to get difficult to try and find a cottage on the water for under a million bucks. Um, so it's the prices have just gone through the roof for cottages. Well, now when you say cottage, tell me what is a cottage? Well, cottage is it's so interesting because near where I am and, and Muskoka's and, and things like that, it's called a cottage, but all my relatives up North in Sudbury, they call them camps. So right. it's uh, interesting on the different terms. So a cottage is really now cottages, they almost are second homes because the taxes on them are almost equivalent to what you're paying on taxes in the city, especially if you're on the water, it's going to be even more. And the cost of these are really more like second homes. There's not much, it's not a huge price discrepancy like there was decades ago. So anywhere from two to three bedrooms. And yeah, obviously there's all kinds of different styles of them, but a lot, two to three bedrooms. Two to three bedrooms and it's more than a million dollars? Yeah, some on water for sure, depending on the lakes and that, absolutely. All right, so so suppose you, you're looking and you, want to what if you buy a cottage that's not on the water do you have access to the water still yeah there's lots of cottages obviously that aren't um my in-laws cottage is not on the water and as soon as you say that to a lot of people they're like oh it's not in the water but i actually love it because we have access to 50 acres of trails and we're only five minutes from the water mm -hmm. so it kind of gives the best of both worlds the interesting thing is in the last 24 months the cottages that have increased the most in price are non-waterfront cottages. And when you tell people that, they, they're like, oh, why is that? And it's because now you have so many people trying to buy cottages because they can't travel as much. And it's obviously much even more difficult to get waterfront and because of the prices. So now you have many more people buying cottages close to the water. And because of that, it's increased the prices of non-waterfront cottages amazing the supply and demand yeah yeah so today we're going to go through a lot of things we see because this question comes up a ton it came up a ton before the values had increased so 
like for us, our family cottage is our most favorite place in the world to go. It's where all my kids' memories are. Um, I can't even imagine not having it. And a lot of people will pro probably think that, okay, once I go or get too old, it'll be a nice peaceful transition to my kids. But unfortunately, there's a lot of different family dynamics and I've heard them all. But like what I mean by family dynamics is like, say, for example, uh, and as soon as I start mentioning this example to cottage owners, they're like, ah, oh, yep, that's, that's what we're stuck with. So let's say you have a couple of kids or three kids. One kid comes up all the time and does all the work and pays for some things and helps out significantly. The other kid and his spouse maybe just come up and, and enjoy it, but they don't help and they don't ever pay for any maintenance or anything else like that. And then the other kid and say spouse have no interest in it at all. So now that creates a, a, a different dynamic on, well, who do we leave it to? How do we leave it to them? And then all these different tax problems can come up and just derail everything. Because the future tax bill on a cottage, is, it's never really part of the initial planning. And there's other major concerns that can just completely derail this, such as death, divorce, mm -hmm. um, which can force this, the sale of a family cottage. So today, basically, I just want to go over some tips for people to think about in regards to cottage planning and ways to keep it in the family. Because with most clients, that is the priority is to try and keep it in the family. Um, and like I said, it's, it's no secret that Ontario, the real estate records are extremely high. And other people may be thinking like, oh, it's great. You own a cottage or you own this. Um, and the value is high. It's, it's, it's great when you already own one and you're not buying in. But because these values have increased so much in such a short time frame, we're seeing it cause significant concerns in regards to the estate planning because the values increase so much. So now if you want to leave it or give it to one kid over the other, like how do you equalize that? And how does that all work? We're at a whole different podcast, but we're also seeing this with farms on our clients that want to leave farms to one of their kids versus, and the other two have no interest. Well, sure. It's nice to be able to figure a way to keep the farm and the family, but if the farm's worth now 5 million bucks, how do you equalize that for the other two kids? So Increased proper value values are great when you already own a property, but it also comes with a lot of other issues that need to be. So I'll, go, I'll just go real quick disclaimer here. I'm going to be touching on some mistakes and stuff like that. And we will be going over some tax concepts. So I do have to just mention, I'm not an accountant and for proper tax planning, you need to speak to a certified accountant. Okay. And so let's, let's touch on some of the mistakes that we see. So Number one is forgetting to keep track of all the capital improvements. And what that means is things like a new dock, deck, renovations. Obviously, those are going to come up over the time of owning a cottage. Very important to keep track of these expenses because you need the receipts. It can't just be Bob, the neighbor down that's lived in the community forever, has done the deck. And you just throw that on as you're trying to adjust the difference of the cost base because you pay the cost of the cottage, and we'll touch on this more, mm -hmm. but you want to have those receipts for any renovations or anything to improve the cottage because that helps reduce the future tax bill. And I'll, I'll touch on that a bit, a bit later. Um, two is now trying to save future tax by putting the cottage in your children's name, uh, names on initial purchase. So 
this is even like with other investment pro- we actually touched on this at the last podcast yeah. the state planning when we're talking about non-registered accounts and the principal residence and all that it's the same thing with the cottage it just can open you up to future it problems um basically like without proper planning and you put the, the cottage in the child's name um well guess what if they're married that's now considered part of matrimonial property and it's subject to claims and divorce or if, if the child goes bankrupt that you can see where that's going to lead to yeah. so have to be careful on that so the next is is now number three is selling to your children at less than fair market value like for a dollar or something like that exactly there's okay. the, so parents don't need the money want to keep the cottage in the house or keep the cottage in the family and they're going to sell it for a buck to the child mm-hmm. the problem is that opens you up to double taxation if you sell your prop or the cottage to the child for less than fair market value so let's use a quick example parents don't need the money they sell it to their child let's melanie for a buck for tax purposes, regardless of the purchase price, the parents sell it to Melanie. The parents are now deemed to have sold the cottage at fair market value, even though if even though they've only sold it for a buck. Right. If it's worth a million bucks, the fair market value is a million bucks. That's what has to go on the tax return. You can't just put that the value of the cottage is a buck. So the parents now pay the capital gains based on the million dollar value, not the dollar. So now the parents have paid the capital gains on that. And down the road, now Melanie owns the cottage. But now she sells at her passes the adjusted cost base. And you're going to hear me say that term a lot, which is basically, I call, will also call it the ACB. That's the price that the person originally paid. So now, uh, I just want to make sure everyone knows what that means. So now Melanie paid the buck. The parents paid the capital gains on the value of the property, the million. And... Now, when Melanie goes to sell the property or passes away, the adjusted cost base is a dollar. So now they have, she has to pay oh. capital gains on all that money again, plus the extra value of the time she's owned it. So the government now gets tax on that capital gains again. So you don't want to do that. And a large amount too there. Yeah, you'd be, you're better off gifting it to the child and then paying the capital, the, the parents pay the capital gains, and then they, it resets the adjusted cost base for the child, so there's no double taxation. So next one is four is failing to consider the cost of maintenance, upkeep, and insurance for the property that the child's now going to be responsible for. Patrice, a lot of these cottages are obviously located in less accessible areas, so they're subject to more risks, such as weather, falling trees, loss of power, heat, and because of that, there's higher insurance premiums and maintenance costs can be higher between anywhere we'll see from five to $15,000 a year. And then if there's toys and things like that, boats, jet skis, canoes need to be replaced. All of that needs to be kept up with and repaired, not to mention the cost of fuel and other things. So we have had some clients say, well, we'll just continue to pay for all of this for now. And I say, okay, great. But now those expenses are still going to exist. And if something happens to you, now who's going to pay for it? On top of, that's great for the child that has interest in the cottage and you've arranged a way for that child to have the cottage. But if you continue to pay for that and you have a child now that has no interest in the cottage, how does that equal, mm-hmm. how does that equal for them? Which 
ties into my last point on this is that failing to consider the use of the cottage when you're gone. So you and I were touching on this before that a lot of our clients, they tend to really put this off. Um, it is a stressful thing for the parents to, to sit down and try and have this discussion with not everyone, but majority we see that they're kind of procrastinating on it because it's just a conversation they just trying to avoid because they have multiple kids and it's not equal and there may be arguments already. It's emotional. You, I mean, you tell yourself, well, I love all my kids equally, but if somebody's doing more work on the cottage, then by rights, you would want to give them more. Exactly. You're also seeing more interest now from these kids uh, in some scenarios we've seen interested in the cottage because they're like, holy smokes, like, look how much that thing's increased <laughs> in value. So now, and it's not a greed thing. Some are like, we just really want to keep this in the family, but now we're really concerned because this is way more than we thought it would be. Or you have the other kids that know they don't, they want a part of it. And that's a very different um, side of it where they're like, holy smokes, this has gone up a lot of money. So yeah, we're seeing that. So the, the biggest thing is, have you had a discussion with the family yet on how they plan to use the cottage when you're gone? Because this vision may be much different than yours. And like I mentioned before, if there's another kid that lives too far away or all those examples of mm -hmm. some use it, some don't, some pay, some don't. Are they paying equal costs for maintenance or is it a percent of use basis? Like, and can, if the, the we've seen like the one child is the one that does everything and has the most interest in it and they want it. But unfortunately, their financial situation is not good at all. And the child that doesn't want it and has no interest whatsoever is in a very, very good spot financially. So, so how have you seen these things resolved? I'm sure, I'm sure there are numerous, numerous solutions, but what have you seen? I've seen everything from one dad after the mom passed away. I do not recommend this scenario. Um, just called me up and said, I've got a bunch of money to invest because I sold the cottage. The two boys couldn't figure it out. So I sold it. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, well. Yeah. So that, that was one, um, a lot is just the discussion on how to figure it out. And we're, I'm going to go through some examples in that actually mm -hmm. um, a little bit later on, but the the first part of all of that is just really having the conversation because sometimes the parents idea of who wants it and how it's going to go is much, much different than the, than the kids. And that's why it's just important to get it all in the open. That's step one. So uh, answers to all these questions I just went through is, is, is it's very important to have these discussions with your family, but also I call it your finance team, your financial planner, your accountant, and your lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is actually why we have our very own in-house account, um, which is a quite a bit different than a lot of other financial firms because like they have re referrals with a range of accountants, but we actually have our own in-house account and he only works on issues for our, our clients. That's it. Um, there's no billable hours or extra charge for this plan. It's just part of being our client and having this in-house accountant, Gary, who works on all this with me to help give our clients peace of mind in, in regards to these cottage planning. So it, it's just important that you have these discussions also with, I call it your finance team. Mm -hmm. Let's now just touch on how CRA taxes the property when it changes ownership. So when a property changes, it's deemed disposed of and it triggers a capital gain. 
capital gain is basically calculated on the sale price of the property minus the ACB. Remember the price that you originally purchased it for. Right. If you, your objective here is you want to narrow the gap between the two and how you can do that is adding once again, the cost of any improvements. Remember I said earlier to keep receipts for rentals, et cetera, all that stuff, because it increases the ACB amount. Well, that's why you want to keep those receipts because if it increases your adjusted cost base, you're decreasing the difference between the adjusted cost base and the capital gains, which results in less tax right. to you. So 50% of the capital gains is added to the seller's income in the year it's sold. And while capital gains are the most favorable tax form of income, the size of capital gains occurring on these cottage properties create, as we mentioned, quite a problem. So it can obviously affect your goal of trying to retain it for future generations. One other thing I want to touch on about capital gains is right now, there's a lot of talk about CRA changing the capital gains inclusion rate, meaning the 50% rate could change and, and definitely not better for us. Right. Um, this has been on the chopping block for the last couple of years and it kind of disappeared for a bit, but many tax professionals right now are saying that there's a very good chance that they will change this, especially since the COVID bill eventually has to start being paid back. So nothing's written in stone about this yet, but it's a very real possibility. My clients have heard me talk about this multiple times um, because I've been concerned about this since it was first mentioned back in 2016. Anyways, um, let me just give a quick example of, say, the capital gains, and maybe that will help people kind of understand it a bit better. So let's say there's a couple, they're age 63, and they purchase a cottage um, for 500000 They spend 100000 over the next 10 years in improvements to the cottage. So now their adjusted cost base, the price they paid for it, technically goes up, and it's now 600000 versus the 500000 because they did $100,000 of rentals. Mm -hmm. And of course, they've kept all the receipts for this. So now the cottage values say 1.7 million. They, they sell it or gift it or whatever they want. Right. Now the capital gain is $1.1 million. They've subtracted the amount they paid plus the fair market value. And now that couple takes half of that 1.1 because the capital gains inclusion rate is still 50%. And now that's $550,000 of income they need to claim in that year, which at the highest tax rate is going to result in a roughly around $295,000 of tax. Hmm. So these aren't small numbers. Um, but And now that we've touched on how the property is taxed, I'm just going to go over a couple of ways that you can kind of reduce or transfer the tax bill and try and give some listeners some ways to think about that anyways. So number one is uh, I've touched on it multiple times. I don't mean to keep coming back to it. It's just, it's increasing the cost base. Just once again, you're hearing me keep saying, keep track of the receipts because so many times when we start going through this, if it hasn't been tracked the whole time, you see the couple in their head trying to figure it out. And they're saying, well, we did this, we did that. I'm like, do you have a credit card receipt, a, a, a invoice, anything? And they're like, no. So then you can't use that. So it's just really important to keep good records um, because having all of that just simply just reduces the cost. And that's why I keep mentioning it. All right. The second one is using the principal residence exemption for your cottage property. In Canada, what you can do is 
you can claim one of your properties as a principal residence. And if you sell it, you don't pay capital gains. And you can either do the, your principal residence or your home that you live in, or a cottage can actually qualify as it as well if you regularly occupy the cottage and it's not rented out. For that, you'd have to speak to your accountant. And if the gains may be more in your cottage than your home, then we have seen people do this. And that way, it, you're not paying capital gains on the cottage, but then of course now the home, eventually when that goes, there'd be capital gains on that. So you're just transferring it. You're not the tax. You're not necessarily eliminating it completely because one of the properties you're gonna have to pay tax on. Third one is utilizing the capital gains reserve. So you can sell the property to your children at fair market value and have them pay you over five years to take advantage of this tax allowance. And the loan payments can be forgiven in your will. So you can gift the property and spread the tax bill potentially resulting in a lower tax bill. So basically, instead of just um, selling for a million bucks, the child can write a promissory note. And of course, you're going to have to get proper legal tax advice for sure on this to avoid any pitfalls. Mm -hmm. But instead of paying the million bucks up front, you can just simply do the 200,000 over the five years. It also helps the parents because the capital gains is also spread out over five years versus all at once. So that is a definitely a, a very good option, but you definitely have to have legal and, and tax advice right. to help you on that. Right, right. Okay, so I've touched on the common mistakes cottage owners make. I've explained how CRA taxes a cottage and ways to reduce the taxes owing on transfer. So now I just want to touch on how to fund that tax bill owing. So you could just sell the cottage. As I mentioned, <laughs> the example of my one client that he just got tired of two boys fighting and said, screw it, and then just sold it. <laughs> um, if none of the children or grandchildren are interested in the cottage and they don't live close enough to it, yeah, it's a pretty easy solution just to sell it before death. Or if you don't have it part of your state, but the only thing is if, you, if it's sold after death, obviously you have less control, but also it will be included in your state. And now you're paying 1.5% uh, probate fees on that in Ontario. And then basically the capital gains tax will just be due on the sale of the cottage, also reducing your estate value. So if it's staying in the family, because then the capital gains have to come from somewhere. Well, if you really wanted to mess up with your kids, you know, or mess with your kids, you could you could do that and have them deal with the taxes. Yeah, and that's that's the issue too, is just because it's going to be such a significant amount. A lot of some baby boomers, they're very uh, property rich, but then there's not a whole lot of other assets. So you got to take that into consideration because the money for the the capital gains has to come somewhere if you're if, if the kids are trying to keep the yeah. cottage. Uh, the other is you can use other savings. So this really just ties into exactly what we we're just talking about, that the estate executor on your death can sell investments or assets if, if you have them and use the proceeds from that to pay the taxes due so the family can retain the cottage. Again, this is going to, of course, reduce the value of the estate. Uh, but And there has to, like we just touched on, there definitely has to be enough resources to cover that. But it goes back to our other point. Great. The cottage is paid for. Maybe there's enough in the estate to pay for the capital gains. But then now is there, are the kids in a good enough spot to be paying the significant amount of taxes each year because it's waterfront and the maintenance and upkeep of it. So something to think of. Mm -hmm. This is, this is a, one other point, um, trying to how to fund the tax bill owing, is actually a, a thing that a lot of people don't think of is life insurance. So this strategy utilizes basically like a, a permanent life insurance policy that for anyone that doesn't know, provide like life insurance provides tax-free dollars to the beneficiary when needed. Uh, when, so for this example, 
when would it be needed the most? When the parents pass away and there's a whole bunch of capital gains that has to be paid. Hmm. So we're seeing this solution more often. And it's just simply because the increase of the cottage values. And we've seen either the kids pay the premium where the parents are like, we do planning and the kids are like, yeah, we really, really want it, but we, there's not going to be enough assets for capital gains or this and that, or two kids want it, the other doesn't. So how do they equalize it? And you have the kids actually pay the premium on the life policy. And with that, you're basically buying dollars with pennies. And when the parents pass away, the proceeds go tax-free to the kids that want the cottage and that pays for the capital gains. So well, that's an interesting solution. Yeah, that's one where the kids pay it. Uh, the other is we've had some clients where they're like, they don't want to get into that. They've got good sized portfolios with us and we go through all the planning and they're like, basically, well, we can simply just have that life insurance policy pay the get capital gains because all the memories at the cottage are here. We don't want to lose it. Uh, like for, <laughs> for us, my wife, Tina, she would never want to lose a cottage because a lot of our family pets are buried up there. Oh my. So, yeah. So, which is really important to her. So, but yeah, just for those reasons, a lot of times the parents are like, well, we'll just pay the premium for the life insurance policy. And they don't necessarily want it to affect their cash flow from their pensions or CPP and OAS or whatever. So the, the, the premium for that just simply comes from their portfolio. And that way they've got, now, obviously, it's very important that they have enough to cover the retirement obligations first before paying a life insurance policy premium for capital gains in a cottage. But we've got a lot of clients in very good spots financially, and they're like, just have, the kids are going to get it one way or the other, just have it pay the premium by, by dollars or pennies. And that way, we know that the cottage is going to stay in the family, and it that the, for the child that doesn't want it, it, it's more fair in that way. So there's all these arrangements with life insurance. We're seeing it become even a more utilized tool as the property values keep increasing. All right. Yeah. So there's base, there's no way to eliminate the tax bill, but you can find ways to reduce transfer and defer it. But ultimately if you own a home and a cottage, it's simple. There's going to be tax paid on it. And that's really pretty much it today. Uh, Patrice, I just, want to keep it relatively simple. I didn't want to just give people a ton of numbers and tax <laughs> dollar signs and all that. Cause in a podcast, it can kind of start confusing people, but really let me just recap on this. So to ensure your cottage and estate goals are, are realized and just to avoid some of these mistakes, one, discuss your cottage goals with your kids. Stop putting it off. Like I can't stress that enough. Make sure you understand what the kids want, but also take into consideration realistically what can they afford because that needs to be discussed as well because it's great if the kid has all these plans but if they're not financially stable well how does that work mm -hmm. two you develop a financial plan around this i will always re recommend a certified financial planner because that's what they're trained to do and certified to do such as myself so we have myself and a certified financial planners we have the cfp designation after our names that's very important when it comes to this type of planning Three is you can utilize the right life insurance to prepay for this, which I mentioned in one of the examples. Um, that's a huge tool. Consider gifting strategies, or as I mentioned before, utilizing the capital gains reserve strategy. And uh, also too is just sell the property before death to, and get this figured out before death. 
because that way it can kind of go the route that you want. But then also if it, if it's not, if it's dealt with beforehand, you avoid probate fees. And if cottages keep continuing to go up, well, it's better to deal with it sooner or later because if they just keep going up, which who knows, but the forecast is this year, it's, they're going to keep increasing. Every year you wait on that, the capital gains keeps increasing. So if you're going to gift it and you're not planning to sell it to make a profit off it, and you have a good idea, um, relationship with the kids, everything, everything's good, you may want to do it sooner or later because then that way it's just avoiding the capital gain, the capital gains continue to go up, which means you have to pay more tax. But <laughs> all those other factors come into consideration, such as, yes, I could save on capital gains, but I don't really like my child's spouse. And if they get divorced, <laughs> now he or she could take his portion. So it's all that stuff. That's another podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, of course, this is just to give people ideas and things to think of. We do this a lot. Uh, we have the resources for this. So if any listeners um, or anyone needs help with any of this, please contact us so we can start going through the discussions and checklists with you uh, to just start taking you through it. How can they contact you, Chris? Best ways through the website, uh, threehatsfinancial.ca, hit the contact button. You can actually even book the appointments right there because uh, it links to my schedule. And then we just start with a Zoom or phone call for me to hear your story. And then we just go from there to make sure there's a fit on both sides. And goodness knows there's so many questions that really need to be looked at and answered before, before you really take some action. So be sure to follow this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth, to know when the latest episode is ready and share with friends and family. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.